Peace, peace. What's good, kings and queens? It's your boy Jacoby Ryan back again. Uh, this is now week number 13 of the More I Know, The More I Don't podcast. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in. I appreciate it um, on whatever platform that you're using. Thank you for taking the time, of course, as always. Um, thank you to uh, everyone who's listening for the first time. Thank you for everyone who's listening to this um, on a routine now. Um, I appreciate everybody, and I just uh, hope that I provide and contribute value to you uh, for taking the time to uh, hear me out. So uh, thank y'all. Um, and of course, who I am, I'm Jacoby Ryan, uh, hip-hop artist, former financial planning professional, um, entrepreneur, um, graphic designer, um, just kind of do whatever I can, um, whatever needs to be done, you know. Um, and of course, this is the More I Know The More I Don't podcast. Uh, where we basically document, uh, I'm doing a song every week uh, where I put out a podcast, a new song, and a new video every week. And with the podcast, I basically document uh, the song about how it came to be, what the story is, and then the video, of course, uh, capitalizes on what the vision is for the song. So um, then I also have my two cents that I pitch in here and there um, to give some value. Uh, So uh, this week we got a little bit to talk about. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is my dog, Nipsey Hussle, RIP. Um, I can't lie, man. I really uh, hesitated on doing a show this week. I almost didn't do a show this week. Um, This is now 11 p.m. on Monday. Um, I usually put them out around 8 a.m. on Mondays. And, man, I I just spent a lot of time this uh, all day today, really, um, just kind of deciding how I wanted to do it, if I did want to do it at all. Um, and I decided to do it just because, I mean, um, from what he's taught me, um, what I've learned from him, um, and just the type of solid niggas that we are, uh, this is the best thing to do. Just keep moving, keep building, and, and um, the marathon continues, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, we got Nipsey Hustle, of course, um, and then we also want to talk about uh, the lie that we've been fed about how wealth looks. Um, and then the last thing that we're going to talk about, of course, is Money in the Way. And how that song came about, so on and so forth. So everything goes along pretty good together today. Uh, so without further ado, let's get it. All right, man. Um, off top, let's just uh, give him a moment of silence for Nipsey Hussle the Great. So... Um, I told y'all, man, I, it was a hard decision for me to do this today. Um, for y'all who don't know, Nipsey Hussle has been my favorite artist for the past uh, three, four, five years. I mean, I first discovered him, I think, in 2010, 2011. And, um, man, him and J. Cole have just been like, the last 10 years of my life wouldn't have happened without them. Um, and the man that I am today, I wouldn't be who I am today without them. And um, Nipsey Hussle was definitely well-respected amongst a lot of the people who do build entrepreneurially, corporate America, um, artistically, um, by anybody, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's just such a dynamic person. Um, I mean, he was just really one of a kind, ahead of his time, um, a true OG, um, just a solid cat. And I mean, I didn't know him personally, but like, I mean, I, I felt like I did, as everybody else does, I'm sure. Um, so why I liked him, man, was basically he was just very inspiring to me. Um, every aspect of him was inspiring. Um, I had never seen anybody who talked like I was used to hearing somebody talk. Like in, in Lawton, I mean, growing up, I, we, we all talk like that, you know what I'm saying? We all kind of come from that same type of thing, that same type of uh, environment. 
But it was never nobody who was talking like that, who was speaking real shit, like who was really speaking value, who was really learning things, who was really developing, developing themselves and, and giving that back to people and not holding it for ransom, you know what I'm saying? That was inspiring to me. Um, he was just all about growth and, and focus and discipline, and that rubbed off, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's what entrepreneurialism is. Um, and he really got me into, like, trying to learn about financial literacy and grow my grow myself into owning everything and, and making sure that I'm in control of as much as I can be for my family and for my, my homies and to make sure I have my dignity as a man and nobody can tell me what to do and nobody can control my family. Um, nobody can uh, keep me from providing for my family, you know what I'm saying, just because I'm in control. So uh, he, he, I owe him a lot, man, um, point blank, period. Literally, this, what you're watching now, like this, this 52 and 365, this is a direct result from Nipsey Hussle's influence on me, 100%. Like, I became patient, strategic, and just learned from him, watching him move, and just learning from him, man. He's, he's just a king. Um, so uh, I hate that this happened. I hate that we have to do this. Um, but it actually runs right in with this concept today, uh, just from how, how much of a solid cat he was and giving game to people and teaching people things. So... Um, We'll, we'll go into it. Rest in peace, bro. So the wealth lie and why is it important? Um, so first off, uh, I mean, the question should be uh, why have you been lied to about how wealth looks in the first place? Um, but we'll cover why it's important to know um, how wealth really looks and why it's important to know that we've been lied to about how wealth looks. So um, first thing is the middle class is shrinking um, at a emergency pace um so and, and i believe that's because of a couple of different reasons and this is all just for me gathering from what i do know and what i've learned um over the past few years um and the big thing is like this lie of wealth that we've been taught um inspires us to go out and consume and buy these things to make us feel like we're getting closer to being wealthy when in reality it's moving us closer to, to poverty you know what i'm saying um, so as the uh, middle class shrinks, of course, the richer and the richer get richer and the poorer get poorer. So that just continues to get worse. Their wealth gap continues to increase, continues to increase. And man, the wealth gap is terrible right now. Um, actually, the racial wealth gap itself. Here are a couple of things about the racial wealth gap, um, which you'll see on a video tomorrow as well. Uh, in, I think, 2000. Uh, matter of fact, it may have been 2016, um, but the average wealth for a family of four for a white family equals about $165,000. Um, the average wealth for a Latino family of four is about $8,000. The average wealth for a black family of four is about $4,000. So that puts a little bit of an idea of what things look like right now, you know what I'm saying? Um, and another reason why I think the the uh, the uh, middle class is shrinking is because, of course, inflation with inflation, of course, it means prices. That means prices have gone up. That inflation is the rate at which prices increase. Um, and inflation has continued to increase since the 70s and 80s um, uh, at, at increasing rates. You know what I'm saying? Whereas rate wages and our pay has not increased it's actually stayed the same so our purchasing power has diminished meaning if we don't have assets 
and actual wealth um, that can provide us with income in addition to our job, uh, we're going to be a lot, a lot less likely to keep pace um, with our purchasing power as inflation increases and our wages stay the same. Um, so that's why this is important for us to know how wealth looks and to know that we're being lied to about how wealth looks so we can um, adjust how we, how, we, how we see fit. Um, another reason why it's important is because mindless materialism, of course, we buy things that just have no value, but they make us feel good for the moment. And then after the next week, there's no use for them anymore. Um, that's another reason why this is important. We, we, we consume mindlessly. Um, and I'm a victim of it too. We're all victims of it. That's America's, that's literally America's, uh, uh, one of America's core values is, is consumerism and materialism and buying shit and, and doing shit mindlessly. You know what I'm saying? Um, not to mention going into debt to buy this mindless shit. And then third, which is the most important to me in my opinion, um, is it's a solution to equality. It's a solution to empowerment. Um, we've looked for the USA to have the morality to own up to their sins and, and fix them um, for, I mean, over 500 years. And, I mean, it's not going to happen. It's never happened ever. Um, and it's, it's, it's on us to, to create an equal playing field for everybody um, so that we can have a better world for our kids in the future because we live in a world where white supremacy doesn't want to address the, its, its ills and its sins. Um, so we have to do it ourselves. Uh, so with that, um, how has the wealth life been sold to us? Uh, well, in, in a few ways. Um, the first way, of course, is um, through nice cars. You know what I'm saying? Um, people buying foreign cars, people buying these expensive cars and all these things. And um, that's just a lie. Like, uh, and mind you, most of this comes from the Millionaire Next Door, the book that I, uh, the book that was written. Um, and most millionaires, the most, uh, we'll get to the car later. Um, but we'll talk about what's, how it's been sold first, and then we'll talk about the facts of millionaires. So, of course, some ways is um, expensive cars, huge homes, um, uh, not working at all. Um, um, they have millions in income every year. These are all the things that we're kind of, we kind of think is how millionaires look. This is how we think it looks. And it's just not true um, at the end of the day. Uh, in most cases, based on the millionaire next door. Mind you, I'm not a millionaire myself, so I can't speak from experience, but I've done research and I will be one. Um, so we'll, uh, I'll check in with an update once that happens. Um, so some facts about millionaires. Um, what we really want to get into um, the first thing is that uh, the average car for the average millionaire in America is not a Jeep. I mean, it's not a, a Range Rover. It's not a Beamer. It's not a, a Maybach. It's not a um, Rolls Royce. Um, it's a Ford F-150. The average car for the average millionaire in America is a Ford F-150. You heard right. Um, and the reason given for that was that we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, so there's the, the car, of course. Um, another good fact is the average millionaire goes bankrupt three and a half times, at least three and a half times. That's minimum on average. Um, because, and that's not saying that we need to go out here and be filing bankruptcy every week. Um, it's just, it's a strategic thing that can be done when you have assets, uh, depending on what the situation looks like. Um, 
millionaires do it a lot. It's almost a business strategy. Um, 50 Cent, as a matter of fact, 50 Cent had um, done uh, had filed for bankruptcy in order to not pay on uh, a debt he owed someone. Which actually, I'm gonna do the research. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna give that uh, that story uh, at the end of this podcast. So tune in for that. Um, and then um, the 50% of all millionaires. Uh, are self-employed or owners of their own businesses, um, which is very, very, very uh, significant. So I'm going to say it again. Half of millionaires in America own their own business or they're self-employed. Mind you, self-employed people are four times more likely to become a millionaire than somebody who's employed by somebody else. Um, So that's another good fact. Um, Now, things to be aware in this is that... uh, it also said in Millionaire Next Door that um, some of the most common businesses for millionaires, they're not, most millionaires aren't CEOs of these Fortune 500 companies. They're not these lawyers. They're not uh, doctors, people like that. Um, and the reason given for that was that those people have high lifestyles. They have high expectations that come with those lifestyles. So if you're a lawyer and you pull up to the courthouse, you know, you want your client to think that you got money and you do, you know what you're doing. So you're going to be buying the expensive suits. You're going to have the expensive cars. So you got to look the, the, the part. Doctor the same way. Um, you feel like you have to look the part. You know what I'm saying? And this is what we're getting to at the end where this is all in the mind. Um, but doctors, they have to own up to that. They have to kind of feel that pressure and, 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 and feel that. Um, you have uh, the CEOs, you know what I'm saying? Like the Goldman Sachs CEOs. They all, I mean, they just... They're they want to feel that you know what I'm saying they 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 want to feel the rush of being the the guy with all the money the guy everybody looks to you know they don't have nothing else in there going on for them so <laughs> I mean the money is like that's what their their whole identity is based in uh, which can be said for Washington D.C. you know what I'm saying um, a lot of Capitol Hill um, but uh, so that's that was a big reason for that. Um, they said most people who are millionaires who own their businesses own stuff like plumbing companies. Um, uh, they call them normal dull businesses. So businesses that you you, you use all the time. Um, so plumbing, hardware, lumber, trucking, um, basic companies like this that they start themselves and then they hire people on and then they, they don't work anymore because they hire people on to work. Um, and those are the ones because usually they're in smaller towns um, where you where the property taxes may be lower, um, where there's less of an expectation because of their job. If you're a plumbing company owner, who, who expects you to come out in the bins? Like, if you come out with the bins, you're actually, like, people look at you like you weird as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Bro, you're going to come clean my pipes, pause, with a suit and a, and a bins? You know what I'm saying? Like, so they're able to be more frugal. Um, and that's that's a common um, characteristic among millionaires in America is frugality. Um, so... In addition to that, uh, only 20% are retirees. Um, the other 80% are still working in their jobs, which speaks to the fact that a lot of millionaires are doing what they're passionate about or what they know about or what they enjoy doing. Um, so if you, I mean, they have the money to retire. They just don't want to because they don't need to. And at the same time, because they're interested in what they do, they have less time to spend money and more time to make more money. You know what I'm saying? So it works. Um, of course, uh, in night, this, is, this is a crazy fact. Um, in 1900 in America, there were 5,000 millionaires. 
in 2000 in America, there were 5 million millionaires. That's a 10,000% increase. That's fucking crazy. And this is all at the same time where the racial wealth gap has continued to get worse. Mind you, this is not even with everybody included, you know what I'm saying? So like Warren Buffett once said, like, America has literally cut off half of his body um, for no fucking reason. Like, so we, we haven't even seen what America could be because we ain't used everybody's potential. We haven't used minorities, and we have, we, which include uh, racial minorities, women, um, uh, sexual orientation uh, minorities. I mean, there's all kinds of minorities that we haven't really embraced and given the opportunity that they can provide and produce even more for us. And we're, we're asked out because punk-ass white supremacy. Um the average millionaire dabbles in the in an average of about 17 businesses. And on average, the the American millionaire does not hit it big until the 18th business. Point. Keep going. Try. Fail. Stop thinking failure is the opposite of success. You cannot become successful if you do not fail. Um, if we do not fail, because I'm in the same boat. Um, I have that, 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 that um, habit of talking like that. I don't like that shit. Um, I already talked about the car. Um, the average spouse of a millionaire is a teacher. Uh, most millionaires' spouse is a teacher, and the, that can mean a male or a female millionaire. Their spouse, whether it's a man or a woman, is a teacher. Um, and they talk about how uh, in the in in the book um, there are UAWs and PAWs. Um, UAWs are under average uh, wage earners, I want to say, or workers. And then PAWs are, uh, man, um, I forget. It's, it's a good, it's like over average, you know what I'm saying, uh, wage earner or worker. And basically UAW means, so when we talk about wealth, we got to understand it. Wealth means the assets minus the liability. So your assets are retirement accounts, your home, um, any assets you own that have value. A car is both an asset and a liability. Um, so it's worth what it's worth now, but it's a liability because tomorrow's going to be worth even less. The next, in the next hour, it's going to be worth even less. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, then liabilities, of course, are things that cost you money. They're expenses, they're debt. So wealth is your assets minus your liabilities. Then you have your wealth. Um, so... <clears throat> With that, it talked about UAWs versus PAWs. UAWs are people who make a certain amount of income. And mind you, wealth is not income. Wealth is different than income. Income is what you make. Wealth is what you have, what you own. Um, so your income is what you make on a yearly basis, right? So mind you, the average annual household income of a millionaire is about $150,000 after taxes. And that's, that's one thing most people don't understand is like, a millionaire, a millionaire doesn't mean you're making a million dollars every year. A millionaire means you own a million dollars, at least a million dollars in, in assets, in net worth. I'm sure net worth is at least a million dollars. Probably not making a million every year. Um, most people, like I said, who are millionaires in America make a household income that's between both of the parties. Um, about $150,000 and they live off $70,000. So they have $80,000 that they're investing and they're only living off seventy thousand dollars. This is a, these are millionaires living off seventy thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? So that speaks to the frugality and the lie that we've been told about how wealth looks. Because people who and mind you, go back going back to the last point with the CEOs and the executives and 
the lawyers and those types of people, a lot of the times as well, while they're not millionaires, is because because they have these high, flashy lifestyles, they got to spend so much. They spend more than they make per year. So you can't be a millionaire if you're making, like you can be making a million dollars in income a year, but if your expenses are a million five hundred thousand, you're not a millionaire. You're, you're just like the person who's making $30,000, but they're spending $35,000 a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no difference. You know what I'm saying? So that's why when we talk about we need to make more money to, to be wealthy. It's like, nah, we need to be more disciplined. We need to be more focused on what our goals are and where we're putting our money at. Like, the biggest thing I learned about being a financial professional is that if you want to learn uh, what somebody cares about, what they value, look at their, um, their bank statements. Look at what they spend their money on. That's exactly what they care about. Um, and it's true, you know what I'm saying? So UAWs and PAWs, uh, UAWs are people who make uh, income and spend more than their income. Uh, so they're, they're not very good with um, growing what they have. And their PAWs, of course, are people who have their income higher than their expenses. So they're able to invest in that, in that little gap, you know what I'm saying? They use that to invest in whatever they want to. And a point about investing that the book is made is that don't invest in something you don't know about. Like, research things, take time, be patient, and figure out what you're passionate about, what you're interested in, and then invest in that, and then diversify from there what you think is necessary. But just stick to what you know is basically what I've learned. Um, and then, uh, lastly, uh, the fact that uh, well, offense versus defense is basically what we're talking about. So um, when the millionaires were surveyed, um, a lot of them said that they were great at offense. And what they call offense is great accumulating money, making money. Um, they said their spouses, who of course on average are teachers, were great at defense, were great at um, budgeting, um, discounting, couponing, making sure that things are, are, are under their, their means of living, making sure that they're not overspending, making sure that things are in order, they have things for the future, so on and so forth. Everything is on track with their plan. Um, so I bring that up because it's important to understand that it's a lot less easier to make more money than it is to stop spending so much money or redirect the money you're spending into where you want it to actually go. Because, I mean, I find myself spending mad money on food that I could have put in somewhere else and invested, whether it's a business, whether it's a stock market, whether it's a retirement account, whatever it may be. Um, that can help, you know what I'm saying, and get me to where I want to go faster and make me more money in the, run, in the long run. And, of course, keep me from eating bullshit because I'll be spending mad money on that shit. But um, last thing, a realized versus unrealized income. They said the secret to millionaires is that they keep most of their money in unrealized income. So, um, and now, mind you, there's unrealized income versus realized income. Now, unrealized income is like money in a, in a 401k. Uh, that's just sitting there that you can't touch. It's not liquidable. You can't liquidate it. Um, uh, now, once you try to take that money out, say you take it out for whatever reason, um, you need some money for whatever reason. Once you take that money out, it's now realized. You've now realized your gains. So say you invest in the stock market. Uh, when you invest into the stock market, that's unrealized. So say you're in there for three years, you put in $100, and after three years, you got $300. Well, you have an unrealized gain of $200. Now, if a lot of the times that's taxed, you know what I'm saying? When it's realized, it's taxed. But since it's not realized, it's still in the stock market and you're not getting the value directly from it yet, 
and it's still sitting there. It's unrealized. So it can still grow without being taxed in retirement accounts. Um, and the stock market without a retirement account around it, it's a little different. If you want to know more about that, we'll talk about it. Cool. Um, but that's unrealized income. When it's still in there, still accumulating, um, still growing, um, and you're getting the benefit of the growing, but you can't benefit, you can't get the benefit of the value yet because you can't spend it, you can't use it, you can't invest it anywhere else. It has to stay there. Um, now, realized income is once you cash out, now you have it. That's when you get taxed on it, of course. You know what I'm saying? So they said the goal or the, the secret of the wealthy is to have unrealized income um, to where you're not spending your money. It's, it's staying in wherever you're investing it at. So it's continuing to grow, whether it's in your business, whether it's in the stock market, whether it's in your retirement account, whether it's in gold, whether it's in Bitcoin, whether it's in real estate. I mean, whatever it may you may be investing in, um, if it's still in the investment and you're not cashing it out, most of the time it's unrealized. Um, and because it doesn't get taxed in most cases, while it's unrealized and grows tax-free, that allows it to grow even more. The biggest expense most of us have, we don't even know about. The biggest expense we have is taxes. That's the most we spend money on is taxes. And there are ways that we can get around doing that if we take the steps too, which is what comes to my next my next point is that the tax code was built for business owners, real estate investors, and stock market investors. Those are who the tax code is for. Um, and the reason being is uh, theoretically, they uh, do more for the economy than everybody else. They uh, invest money into the economy by creating their businesses. They uh, provide jobs for people by offering those jobs. They handle the headaches that come with running the business. Um, they, they, of course, pay rent at these locations, so on and so forth. They have uh, distributors and other people that they work with within their company, so they uh, stimulate the economy as well with that. And that's that's the, the psychology behind that. Um, so that's why it's important to own a business, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, now, as far as our findings go, um, I'll let you kind of take what you what you think you can get from it. Um, I know some things that I, I personally take from it is that millionaires are diligent. Like, they're, like, effective. They're, like, efficient. They're um, focused. It's not some, uh, we're rich, so I'll spend whatever I want to on whatever. It's like, nah, like, we have bread, so we got to be focused on where this money is going. Where is this dollar going? Where is this $20 going? Why is this $30 missing? Um, this should be here. Why didn't it go there? Um, those are things that I got from it. Um, and then of course, financial independence is stronger than, it's, it's more important than my social status. You know what I'm saying? Like I shouldn't be out here buying clothes and shit. If I don't have shit invested, if I'm not building a business. If I'm not having an emergency fund for my family, um, just, it, it's, it's just as simple as having your rent paid and not going out and buying Hennessy. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want, uh, you want to be fresh, but you, is, is being fresh worth it at the expense of investing a monthly amount every month is being in the club worth not being able to have a life insurance policy is being uh, uh is having the newest car more important than investing that money into your retirement account or your business to grow for you and have for you 30 years later um one thing i, I thought was interesting is, is um and i'll close with this uh that basically uh when people buy homes um, a lot of the times we're taught that homes are these assets, they're great assets. But we don't think about like if somebody buys a home and they choose to make these mortgage payments for 30 years in, 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 uh, in lieu of making that or make, making those same payments or using more of that money to make, make investments into their retirement accounts, 
um, if they put that money into their homes instead of their retirement account, 30 years later they have a home that they own, but they don't have a retirement account that they can live on now. So now they got to retire from work, and they have a home that they've paid off that they can live in. That they live in it, and they don't got to pay on it. They still got to pay property taxes. They still got to have money to pay, but they can't work anymore because they're too old. So now they got to sell their home to have bread. Now that money going to allow them to live. Now they ain't got no home to live in. Now it's just a fucked up situation. You know what I'm saying? So these kind of things are why planning is important. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what's called a dead asset. Well, it's, yeah, it's an asset, but at the same time, what's the purpose in your plan for it? Um, that's super important. So, um, yeah, this was, uh, the, the of course, from the book, uh, Millionaire Next Door in America. And these are things that I, I want to talk about um, because I'm a, I'm a former financial professional. These are things that are important um, that need to be talked about. And, and I'm, I have an actual brand that I'm working on developing. Where I'm going to talk about more of this there. Um, but for now, this works great. Um, and mind you, also a good resource for this type of information on a, on a weekly basis. In addition to this in the future will be um, Earn Your Leisure Podcast. Earn Your Leisure Podcast. Um, it's a really dope podcast with some really valuable information on there. You can look it up on any platform. Um, but yeah, let's get into money in a way. Alright, so the 50 cent case um, with bankruptcy. Um, of course, we talked about how a lot of people who have a lot of money oftentimes file bankruptcy for certain things um, where they still have money, they still have things that they're taking care of. It's just they file bankruptcy because it makes sense for them at the time. Um, and 50 cent had done that. I remember seeing a, a headline a couple uh, years ago about him doing it. And I just wanted to go over that to give y'all an example of how that works sometimes. So, uh, essentially... <laughs> With 50, you know, it's always some drama, um, but he was, uh, he had acquired a sex tape from 50, uh, from Rick Ross's baby moms. Uh, she has a child with Rick Ross and, um, he had acquired a sex tape, uh, where she was having sex with somebody and 50 Cent somehow got it and somehow it ended up online. Um, she's under the impression it was him that did it. He, uh, denied doing it. She sued him in court. She won. So he was supposed to pay her like seven or eight million or something like that. And then 50 immediately filed for bankruptcy, um, which uh, implicates, I mean, he was trying to pay as little bit of that seven or eight million that was owed to Rick Ross' baby moms as possible by filing filing bankruptcy. Um, Just to give you some numbers, it said that his assets um, at the time had totaled in the amount of twenty four million eight hundred thousand, and after the court uh, rulings, uh, it pushed his debt to thirty two million five hundred. So, he his net worth was negative. You know what I'm saying with that. So that of course we talk about net worth again. So, his assets twenty four thousand or twenty four million eight hundred, um, and his debt was thirty two million five hundred. Uh, so you can see how his debt is more than his assets. So his net worth would be negative. Um, so he <clears throat> uh, filed for bankruptcy, and uh, from there, uh, basically, and mind you, matter of fact, let me talk about this because in the in the documents, he actually talked about how a lot of the stuff that we thought he had, he actually didn't have. Like he had talked about uh, what he didn't deny a request or a report from um, TMZ that said he had made like eight eight thousand eight hundred thousand eight million something with an eight. There was a significant amount of money. Um, I think it was eight million. Uh, from Bitcoin, he had said he he. There was a story that said he had sold a, an album for um, a, one album. Somebody paid for one album back in like oh eight oh seven, um, with a Bitcoin, 
And of course, he kept that Bitcoin, he said, or the story said, and over the time from 2007 until 2014 or 15, whenever this happened, uh, of course, Bitcoin went crazy that like, year or so. So he had a bunch of money, supposedly. Well, in the documents in the court, he said that was a lie. He also said a bunch of the cars that he had been driving were actually rented or leased, which is another uh, which adds to the wealth lie. And he talked about when the press does any um, uh, articles about me that's not damaging to my brand, I don't feel the need to uh, deny it or push back against it. So um, these are just things, the good things to know about as far as like people who have a lot of money and how they really how they really uh, roll. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know. Just real quick, um, with the cars, uh, it talks about uh, when you have a lot of money, you think about either buying cars or leasing cars, and how buying cars has its uh, pros as far as taxes, and then uh, leasing cars also has its own pros. Um, but I've also seen a lot more cons with leasing too. So look up that if you're interested in it. Um, but just wanted to give y'all an example of how people use bankruptcy, uh, and they still have a lot of money. All right, so money in the way. Um, of course, came out Friday. Uh, video will be coming out tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, uh, of course, shot by Image Line Studios, produced by Nolan Ellis. Uh, my dogs. Um, this was another song, I think I talked about it a couple weeks ago, where me and Nolan Ellis actually uh, completed a whole mixtape, a whole project. And I just never put it out because um, I don't feel too good about it myself as far as what I did to it. but. There are a couple of joints that I'm definitely going to put out, and this is one of them. Um, Hated was another one, um, and a couple more, I'm sure. Uh, but this is one that was definitely on there that I'm excited to put out now. Um, when I wrote this, man, I was in the middle of actually building my financial planning practice as a financial planning professional. Um, so if you don't know, I was uh, working with New York Life and Mass Mutual as a uh financial planning financial planner um for two years and basically i grew my client base to about uh, 150 um and it was just i was really passionate about it i was actually really inspired to become a financial planner by nipsey hustle because he had taught so much about building up the community and investing and, and knowing about things like that it, it sparked my peak it piqued my interest and I became interested and I was given the opportunity to have my own business while also learning about it, while also teaching people in my community who I knew need to learn about it. Um, I was like, man, yeah, for sure, for sure. So I did that, learned a lot. Now I have a really good understanding of everything financial. Um, so uh, I just want to use my platform now to be able to help people understand, have a foundational understanding so that when they do go and talk to people who are advisors and things like that, they're not intimidated and they're not fucked over and jerked around because somebody knows some big ass words and it's about some things that are important you know what i'm saying so uh, we've been kind of bamboozled for so long in our community i just want to be able to be a resource for people who don't uh, have anybody who, who to have protection for themselves and their families um so of course uh when i was writing man the, and the, the whole point of this song is man i was broke but hopeful you know what i'm saying like the money in a way like i understand where i want to go i know where i need to go i see where i need to go I see where I'm going and I see the money in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like that's it, you know what I'm saying? And the money really in the money in a way really means it's in the way of everything. So um for me worrying about the right things in life, worrying about what's important, the money's in a way. I don't have the the serenity to just be worrying about what's right. You know what I'm saying? That's what I tell myself anyways. Of course I need to be worrying about what's right and getting my mind right regardless of what my my money situation looks like, but 
it's hella uncomfortable when um, you're just when, when you're uncomfortable. It's hard to to con it's harder to control your mind, which of course makes it even more valuable to do. Um, but it's just one of those things. Um, and of course, uh, money's also in a way like when when cats talk and when I hear gossip, when I hear cats criticize and things like that. For me, it's like uh, I mean. I'm not making no bread, you know what I'm saying? And like for me what I'm doing is I'm following my vision, you know what I'm saying? And in my vision, the only thing keeping me from where I want to go is the money. So if I had the money, I'd be able to invest and scale my business how I want to. I would I know where to put it at. I know how to make sure it lasts for generations and things like that. So that's the only thing in my way, you know what I'm saying? And that's in in metaphorically that's what's in the way of me responding to you ho ass niggas because I don't, I don't care, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have a vision, I know what I need to be doing, and the only thing in my way is the money. Um, and once the money comes, it's, we Gucci, we gonna keep growing. Um, now, <clears throat> of course, Broke But Hopeful is the premise of the song. Um, entrepreneurship was a big thing that I'm, I'm big on, that I wanted to just be in control of my own stuff. Um, uh, full transparency, I was fired on Thursday. From the job that I currently have, well, I used to have. Um, I have a couple of different jobs, but one of my jobs fired me on Thursday. So um, that's been a great blessing because now I'm, I'm actually uh, have a couple of businesses under my um, under my belt where I'm starting to. I'm sorry, I have a couple of clients under my belt where I'm building a um, janitorial service. You know what I'm saying so I'm gonna have uh, a couple. Uh, I mean, whatever locations I can get to clean. And um, be hiring people under that, so I can spend more time on my music. Um, but that that just inspired that even more to uh, own my own and, and go harder in that self-employed field. And then, of course, with Nipsey passing, that was a bigger inspiration. It was like, man, I gotta I gotta make something shake. You know what I'm saying? So uh, with that, um, I, I wrote this song. Like I said, while I was building my practice, while I was building my practice, there were times when I was making. 5000 in a month, um, 7000 in a month. There was times I was making 200 in a month. You know what I'm saying? The ups and downs, the volatility was crazy. And that was a part of the process. You know what I'm saying? That was another part that I've seen in the process where it was like, at the beginning of the process, while you're in the process, sometimes you need money and you don't have it. You've got to figure out how to, how to work from there. And just figuring that out is experience in itself and is value in itself. Um, uh, let me see. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is huge, man. Um, so the, this whole time, like I remember times when I was being a, um, a planner and I was uh, in the in my practice, and basically um, there were times I didn't have gas to get to clients' appointments. So there was times when I couldn't eat lunch. So there was times when I didn't know how I was able to pay rent, things like that. And it was hard, you know what I'm saying? Because at the same time, like I have a, a college degree. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I got a business administration major, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I have a bachelor's so I, and, a, and an associate's, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm not out here just, like, nothing to do. But at the same time, it was so important to me to learn this information, for one, and for two, to give this information to people who aren't ever going to be in a position where anybody's going to give it to them. And if they do give it to them, it's going to be in a manipulated way. Uh, I wanted to be the person that can give it to them in a way where it's real. They can understand, learn from it, no pressure. So that when they when they are ready to move and when they do get inspired to start living that lifestyle, they either know where to come or they already have a foundational understanding of what's going on, so they can't really get jerked around. Um, and then lastly, taking losses. You know what I'm saying? Just understanding the importance of taking losses and 
not allowing losses to deter me from my purpose, you know what I'm saying? Um, a, a lot of the times we'll take a loss and then we'll, instead of us continuing on our path or our journey or our purpose, we'll go to whatever's easiest, uh, which may be great for the time being, but long term, it's not good for us. And uh, for that, um, again, I owe the Nipsey Hustle um, for teaching me the value of, of, of a risk and taking a loss and keep on, keep on moving and bouncing back. So um, with that being said, man, money in the way, that's this week. Um, of course, uh, thank you again for everybody listening. This has been the More I Know The More I Don't podcast, 52 on 365, one song, one video, one podcast a week. Uh, the song, of course, comes out Friday. We talk about the history story behind it on Monday, put out the video for it on Tuesday every week. Um, of course, we have the rap podcast every Friday. Make sure you go check that out. Viewer's discretion just dropped last Friday with my boy View. Um, that's another one I should have talked about this week, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, I think it's about to be a 30-minute podcast this time, or 40 minutes. And then, of course, uh, sign up for the mailing list if you're not already. We send an uh, uh, email every week. Um, go check out the mailing list, connect, um, and we'll get that to you. Exclusive offers, discounts on merch, opportunities, so on and so forth. Um, and then lastly, uh, of course, follow, rate, review, whatever uh, platform you're on. Um, so this can be more visible to other people. In order for other people to see what this is and, and get more people to listen to it, if you rate and review it, it becomes it climbs higher on the charts and people can search for it and see it uh, more visibly. So uh, thank you all for tuning in once again. Um, this is Jacoby Ryan, week number 13, Money in the Way. Uh, the more I know, the more I don't podcast. Y'all be great. Be grateful. Peace.